Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Smoking and Toasting. It's the uh, radio program that's all about uh, craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my partner Ian Barry. It is nice to be back with you. We took a week off last week, so it feels like it's been way too long since we did a show. It has been so, way too long, yeah, but you so, went and had fun, didn't you? I did. I, I got to get away. I was in uh, uh, Mexico and came back, brought uh, a couple of Cuban cigars back. I was I was just telling you the uh, uh, the story off mic, but basically I didn't know. You know, you can obviously go to Cuba now because things have been uh, things have been lessened. The restrictions have been lessened, and you can bring back cigars for personal use. Uh, I think there's some kind of limit, but even that's been upped. So, um, but I didn't know coming back from another country that was not Cuba if you were allowed to bring them into the United States or not. And I was in the uh, airport in Mexico City. Um, you know, waiting to catch my connecting flight, and mm-hmm. I walked into the duty free shop, and there's the humidor, yeah, and there's the Monte Cristo number twos. I was like, you know, I've been talking to Ian about the cigar. I should bring him back one, and I'd like one for myself. So I buy the little box. I keep thinking the guy behind the counter is going to say, "Let me see your passport." Oh, United States. I'm sorry, I can't sell you these, but he never does. And so I took them. I stuck them in the humidor, and they didn't even search it. So like, I still don't know for sure. <laughs> if that was an illegal thing, or if it's okay now, I think maybe it's be, okay. You could be a cigar mule. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe it's okay. But uh, anyway, wait a second. Where did you hide this cigar? <laughs> I, mean, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I know you do. <laughs> yes. Uh, fortunately for both of us. Well, while you uh, were gone, was I was the... sitting here breathing in all the pollen in the air yes, around here, so you can probably hear a little bit in my voice. It's funny. It didn't quite feel like spring outside yet, but it does inside your head if you're uh, if you're suffering from. <laughs> seasonal if you, allergies. If you turn on the, your windshield wiper, you, this film of yellow green yes, stuff is always, swiping across and always, dripping down the yeah, side. Yeah, I always of it. find that interesting. That's it's <laughs> kind of like it, it if you live in Houston it's kind of like our version of snow. Right. You know. <laughs> it's very it's yellowish that, green so. pollen everywhere. Yes, yes. So so welcome to the show. It is so nice to be uh back. A beer a day keeps the doctor away. That is our uh title for this week's show and I have a uh, Finally, uh, there's some supporting evidence that beer might just be good for you. I love that idea. Isn't that a great That's idea? Great. <laughs> so if if a beer a day keeps the doctor away, what about two beers? Yeah, a day? I was going to say, does it keep away two doctors? What about a six pack a day? <laughs> this is that'll keep you out of uh, yeah. the entire medical center, you right? Know, it's kind of like that whole Wait. thing you've always heard about red wine. You know, you always <laughs> go a glass of red wine a day is really good for the system. I go, great, I'll have a bottle. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, so I don't think in any of these cases that drinking in excess. Is considered to be healthy. No, it'll just be between you and me to define what in excess that's right. actually is. So that's what we'll look forward to. That's a to. sliding scale, yeah. my friend. Uh, Texas Beer Month continues uh, this month here on the show and all across the state of Texas. Uh, thanks to our friend uh, Joey Williams for being here on the last show and uh, kind of initiating us into Texas Beer Month. He's so fun. with some really good stuff today. Uh, we're going to do two Texas beers. We'll taste two Texas beers. And a beer from Massachusetts that has a an actual Texas connection. So we'll get to uh, we'll get to that coming up. But we're actually going to try. I think have we have we tried on the show a beer from San Antonio yet? 
I don't think so. So we'll do that today. We have the Ranger uh, Creek Brewing Company San Antonio Lager in the little bag. Nice. Here, so, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, plus, Austin Beer Works has a new, I believe it's new. It was new to me. Uh, their new, their Blood Work Orange, which is a blood orange IPA. Have heard about it, haven't tried so, it yet. Yeah, so we'll be trying that as well. Uh, plus, the uh, cigar industry, a uh, couple of uh, bits of news on the FDA regulations, both of them somewhat encouraging for uh, cigar smokers. Uh, and what's up with the airlines canceling the flights to Cuba? A lot of cancellations going down. We'll tell you about that. And uh, we also want to tell you about four craft brewers who've been kicked off the top 50 craft beer uh, list by the Craft Beer Association, not just by like some guy with a website. That's kind of like what we are. We're like some guy with a website. Right. You know, but uh, <laughs> so we can we can do our own lists and you know, they're relevant to us and hopefully they're entertaining to people who listen, but they may not be all that official. Uh, but this is actually the Craft Beer Association list of the top craft brewers. So um, there are four and you'll recognize all of the names. That have been kicked off of this thing, and uh, so we'll get into that as the craft beer um, <clears throat> landscape continues to shift and change right. out there, pretty much, uh, pretty much every week. So, Ian, it's been a, a couple of weeks since we've done this, but did you smoke anything interesting? I did. I have a friend of mine that uh, we uh, also smoke uh, smoke cigars pretty often, and he went to an event last week at a cigar shop near him from the Black Label uh, Trading Company. Cigars, Black Label Trading Company. Yes, I'm not sure I'm familiar with. I've those. never heard of it before either. Yeah. So he brought back a bunch of cigars, and uh, and gave me some to try. And I tried out their Lawless cigar. The labels are really cool. I'll show you this picture. I'll have to oh. post this picture. Yeah, later. we'll have to post this. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's real. And oh wow, I, I like that it's a just lot. A little you boutique know, just brand. The, and yeah. um, it, what a great cigar. The burn was impeccable on it um, all the way through. It was interesting because. Uh, it was a very dark, uh, uh, very dark cigar. It was a Nicaraguan. So kind of uh, dark and oily, chocolatey sort of a yeah, look, and yeah. A, and it, they call it an Ecuadorian uh, Habano Rosado. Uh, mm, um, interesting. So it was dark and kind of reddish and kind of leathery. and was really nice. The cigar itself was actually pretty leathery and toasty at the beginning uh, with a hint of black pepper and that pepper loads up all the way through the cigar like and more it just and gets, more yeah, yeah and it just gets spicier and spicier all the way through to the very nice. end and i smoked it down to a nub nice and no i never corrected the burn um the ash was pretty solid overall the ash just fell off when it wanted to you get about a half inch three quarters of an inch of ash and mm-hmm. it just you know I wasn't being super gentle with it either. You know, I mean, <laughs> might have had a few beers. Might have been, yeah, might have been waving my arms about. You know, <laughs> well, but, uh, um, yeah, it was great. And um, I think it's about a nine dollar, ten dollar cigar. I'm not entirely sure. Do you know where he got this? You said a cigar well, store actually, near him. Well, actually, so there's a few, sh- there's a few shops in town that have it. Um, okay, like Serious Cigars has it, and Lone Star Cigars is the shop where he was. That's out in mm-hmm. Tomball area. We're all in Texas here, so, but uh, they're they're available na- nationally. Um, and they, they're that was a good cigar, and I'd say bang for the buck, price versus quality. I'd have to put it at about a six or a seven. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, definitely worth its price, and uh, maybe even a little more. That's uh, that's very interesting. I want to um, give a shout out, and now I'm going to try to remember um, the name of the place. Of course, it's not going to come up. I was going to uh, look at uh, my app and see if it was there. 
uh, from last time. But um, well, how about you? Did you have any interesting cigars? Since well, I've seen I did. Last? I did a lot of smoking on the uh, on the trip that I was at because it was one of those things. And I'm weird like this. Most people when they vacation, they like to do stuff. When I vacation, I like to do nothing. <laughs> I really do. Like to me, the ideal vacation is someplace a near the water because I love the ocean in particular. Uh, B that's uh, reasonably warm. Uh, C where I'm not going to be messed with, and I can smoke and drink all day and just sit around and you know read on the iPad. I read a book and a half while I was gone. Uh, you know, just went swimming, walking on the beach. No agenda other than what are we going to eat later. You know, that was yeah. that's my kind of vacation. And so as a result, I did quite a bit of smoking, actually, uh, much more than, than a normal day would allow uh, back home. But the uh, cigar I wanted to talk about is actually it's the second show in a row where uh, I'm mentioning an A.J. Fernandez cigar. I talked about the Relic on the last show. Uh-huh. Uh, this one is the La Gerencia Cubana Core. It's a box-pressed Perfecto, tapered at both ends, and um, it's A.J. Fernandez, and it's a Habano Ecuador sun-grown Ligero wrapper, a Habano binder, and Nicaraguan fillers. Sounds actually a lot like your uh, recipe, and it is also very sort of dark brown, a little bit of a reddish hue, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just looks, it's one of those cigars that when you look at it, you just go, that's going to be good. Yeah. Like It's got that look and feel to it. Plus the label on the core looks so solid. Too. Yes, it is. And I want to talk about that because as much as I like the label, it actually is winds up being one of the only things I didn't like about the cigar. But I'll mention that in a minute. Um, it's As I said, it's gorgeous. And the pre-light aroma on this thing, I call it chocolate milkshake. When nice. I put these babies into my humidor, I got a, a, a handful of them at one time. Put them into the humidor, and I went to open it up to pack my stuff to go on the trip. And I opened it up, and it was like it was like someone had just opened the top on a chocolate malt. It, it actually <laughs> nice. smelled chocolatey coming out of the humidor. And usually, you don't smell that. You know that much of a smell when you open the humor, just kind of a pleasant cedary, you know, thing. Well, this is a, this is a great pre-light. Anyway, classic tobacco flavor. It opens up to uh, creamy chocolate with plenty of earthy notes, some spice, but very smooth and creamy all the way uh, all the way through. Good draw and construction. Overall, it's delicious. Now, price to quality. It really depends, I think, what you wind up paying for this. Because I, I wound up paying, I think, about six bucks a stick for these. But I have seen it as low as five and as high as like nine. So the price to quality, I'd say it's good at eight or nine. It's fantastic at five. Right. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll overall just say a seven. Uh, my one complaint. It was that that beautiful wrapper, which is some kind of heavier paper that they yeah. use on this cigar. Freaking impossible to get off the cigar without <laughs> destroying the cigar itself. Now, I'm one of those people that doesn't oh, take no. the band off before I smoke. Right. I know some people take the band off at the beginning and then they light up. I always just leave it on. I figure, it, if nothing else, it'll keep my fingers from smelling as much like the tobacco once once I'm done. And so I'm, you know, I'm halfway, three quarters of the way done with the cigar. I'm trying to remove this thing before it burns and I wound up mangling the cigar just to get it off of there. So they gotta they gotta look into that. But otherwise, great cigar. 
Well, segment one uh, already passed us here. We have a lot to talk about today, and we're going to taste some really amazing stuff. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz. Uh, my partner, Ian Barry. We got, um, this is the program that was formerly known as uh, uh, Sip, Smoke, and Savor, by the I've way. I've almost forgotten that anyway. name. Though. And you know what? I, I kind of have too. And I've decided, it's taken me maybe a little while to get here, but I've decided I like the new name better. It's a little easier. It's a little easier to yeah. It's a little easier to say, and uh, so so I'm excited about uh, about the next uh, year or so of the show or or however long. But I'm excited about what's directly in front of us here because I think we're going to be able to do some really cool stuff this year and maybe even uh, put a few road trips together and and do some do that some tasting like on site. I want to do that whiskey's of the world thing yes. again too. Yes, yes, that was that was great fun. So we'll keep you guys posted on that. So a couple of um, a couple of notes in the ongoing fight about cigar legislation. For those of you who don't know, uh, a bill was passed a year or so ago that basically says that the FDA will now be regulating premium cigars. And so a lot of the regulations and restrictions that were put on them uh, were a bit onerous, not necessarily to the smoker, but to the cigar shop owner and the online cigar retailers and to, to the cigar companies themselves. Right. Uh, and things that will wind up passing costs along to you and me. This, these things won't make them you know, less expensive. But the basic uh, concepts were things like um, ridiculous waiting times for approval for new products, which didn't right. exist before. Uh, the whole labeling thing is ridiculous. Like about a third of your third cigar of your would cigar, have to be yeah. covered with a warning label, similar to what you see on a box of cigarettes. Which right now you can put on the box, Even but it does if not have to be on an individual cigar. Too, yeah. Right. That's exactly right. So. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of things, and they basically are, uh, you know, it's basically agreed within the industry that all of these things will have a dampening effect on the cigar industry. Yeah, the uh, one that got me was where if, if they changed the label, then the mm-hmm. same cigar that they've been selling with a different label had to be had approved to be again. Reapproved. Yes, that's right. Well, there's a couple of things happening. The first is that the cigar industry has uh, basically gone on record almost en masse as supporting. Trump's nominee for the head of the FDA. Uh, the president announced that he plans to nominate Dr. Scott Gottlieb uh, to lead the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which is the government industry that now holds the power over cigars. Gottlieb's 44. He's a conservative and a longtime physician, but he is a... Um, he is a cigar advocate. In 2012, he penned an opinion piece for the New York Post speaking out against the FDA regulation of cigars. Huh. So there is some hope that he will at least be uh, cigar friendly. Now it's unclear, you know, what that would mean. Obviously, this people are reading into this. Uh, but Craig Williamson, who's the president of the Cigar Association of America, uh, which has vigorously fought the FDA regulation as well as all this other stuff, uh, he says we think it's a very good choice that the president made. So that's an encouraging thing if you're a cigar smoker. That bodes well. Secondly. Uh, there has been a bill introduced to exempt premium cigars from the FDA regulation altogether. 
this they say this fight may still have some life. Uh, last month, Florida Senators Bill Nelson and Marco Rubio, one Democrat, one Republican, respectively, uh, introduced Senate Bill 294, and this measure aims to remove the FDA's jurisdiction over the cigar industry by amending this act's definition of traditional large and premium cigars. So while the um, regulations might still affect like cigarellos and some of the little things that you can buy like over the counter at the um, um, at the convenience store, mm-hmm. uh, actual premium hand rolled cigars would be exempt from these various FDA regulations uh, that have come down. So this is this is basically how it looks. Um, Traditional large and premium cigars must be wrapped in 100% leaf tobacco and blended in 100% tobacco filler in order to be exempt. They uh, cannot contain a filter, a tip, or a non-tobacco mouthpiece, and they must weigh at least 6 pounds per 1,000. So if you get 1,000 of them together, they have to weigh uh, 6 pounds. Also, it has to have a 100% tobacco binder, is hand-rolled, or is made with human hands to lay the wrapper or binder onto one machine. So there's one machine allowed in the process, but it has to be hand-rolled by human hands. You can use a machine to bunch, wrap, and cap, but not actually to roll the cigar. So this effectively, this kind of cigars that you and I enjoy, would be in a pretty good place if this... If they are successful in passing this bill through, so and also uh, uh, the president's nominee, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, has yet to be approved by the Senate, so that still has to happen as well. But uh, but again, encouraging signs, and I'm you know the more I uh, the more I read about this, the more it seems that maybe cooler heads will prevail. That would be nice. It'd be so, nice for a change for uh, cigar prices not to go up. Yes, I know. And <laughs> I was thinking about this. You know, I have this little uh, sign that I bought in an antique store that I have uh, hanging in my house that says "Cigars Five Cents." And I was thinking right. about you know, and I was just thinking about back in the day when cigar. I thought, how did like the cigar shops stay in business if their average sale was you know five cents or ten cents a stick? Like you know that you you can only imagine. But the thing is, cigar prices have gone up exponentially. Across the last, and a lot of it's even the last ten like years. That. But like the last ten years, even back when I first started smoking, cigars were much. Cheaper. You can get all kinds of great cigars for three and four dollars, mm-hmm. and now that same general area of cigar is a six to eight dollar cigar. So think of it as you know essentially doubling in the last ten years yeah. the actual retail price. So, all right, it's Texas Beer Month. Uh, Joey Williams from Specs was here on the last show and kind of introduced us to the whole concept. Uh, and sure enough, I was in a Specs and picked up some fine Texas beers. Well, let's hope they're fine. We haven't uh, we haven't tried them yet. First up is a beer from San Antonio. I think this may be the first San Antonio Texas beer that we have tried on this show. It is the San Antonio Lager, and it comes to us from uh, Ranger Creek Brewing Company in San Antonio. And uh, again, this sounds like a road trip to me. Um, uh, Ranger Creek sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, it's not that far away. And I think you and I could enjoy. I have one of their a little small San Antonio beers. getaways. Uh, did you have you had a Ranger Creek before? No, I have one in my. Oh, you have one. Uh, Refrigerator, one of their small batch mm-hmm. beers, and I haven't tried it yet, so it's kind of exciting that you brought the Ranger Creek in. Well, uh, this is good. So, is, is the small batch is that in like a uh, a bomber or is it can also? Like Actually, these? it's in a bottle, but I think it's really? in like a ten ounce or a, like it's kind of a smaller bottle than a twelve ounce mm-hmm. bottle. Their website, if you want to check them out, is drinkrangercreek.com. and uh, this says that this here lager is a five point one ABV, and uh, let's try it. What do you think? 
it smells like a lager on the front. It's pretty. Yeah. It looks very lager like, very uh pale yellow, straw like almost. I would say this this really tastes to me like a it's one of those let's make sure we have some of that in the cooler for when we're really thirsty in the summer kind of beers. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, right. One that you can just drink and really quench the thirst and it's got some flavor. It's not like a a, a watery beer. It's got a, it's got a really nice sort of lager flavor. I like I like the uh the flavor that that lingers a little bit after. Yeah, there's a little aftertaste. It's kind of like a little uh not a it, it's kind of a little burnt Mm-hmm. Something burnt, burnt caramel, maybe, maybe caramel, yeah. maybe malt. It's malt? a little hard yeah. to tell. It's it's nice. It actually finishes like the the bite in the beer is all up front, and then it finishes mm-hmm. with that nice. Now, generally, aftertaste. this is a lot lighter beer than you and I normally yes. drink, and and lighter than what we normally review on the show. I think it's important for us to do some of these style beers from time to time too, and and talk about them. What I would say about this is that this is a beer that I would buy and stock. It's not a beer I would drink exclusively, right. but I would. I like having this in the repertoire. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, very good. It's uh, also got a little bit of honey on is the that after. What I'm Are you getting that? Is that what I'm tasting? Maybe it's maybe it's almost a burnt honey flavor that mm. I'm tasting on the end. It's because uh, something I'm not identifying. But a little I'm not bit. sure what burnt honey tastes like, but it might be like this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I mean? so I am because uh, my wife uh, loves mead. And, right, right, and there's a meadery, and I, I can't bring the name up right now, but they make a burnt honey mead that's fantastic. Wow, that's interesting. Mead is mead to me is a bit sweet, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I appreciate it. I appreciate Overall, it is. Up. I've had some that are really good that uh, just kind of ride the line. They're, they're dry, almost like wines. And then there's also some nice uh, some companies that do nice mead and wine blends that are really nice. Yes, I've I've uh, I've read some stuff about that and always wanted to try that. That uh, that sounds really interesting. I will say this, this is either a pretty good beer or I'm really thirsty cuz I'm just about to put away here. <laughs> so, if you're interested in this, it's San Antonio Lager and it's from the Ranger Creek Brewing Company in San Antonio and we have uh, we have some other beers to taste on the show. We usually try we don't always get this right. We usually try to start with the lighter ones and move our way to the end. And one of the reasons for that is if we're tasting, say, a barley wine and you do that up front, it, it doesn't really – it's just it, it not the beer you go flavors, first. right? Yeah. It'll mask some of the flavors uh, in the later But supplement. sometimes we're so excited that we don't always do it in order. Well, one of the beers that we're going to talk about today, the, uh, the next beer we're going to try is an IPA. It's a, um, it's a blood orange IPA from Austin Beer Works called – Bloodwork Orange, I suppose named after like Clockwork Orange, Clockwork right? Orange, right. Uh, and then um, we're also going to be tasting, and I think we'll save this for the very last segment, Clown Shoes Brewing in Massachusetts has gotten involved with a Houston bar and coffee company uh, to put a specific kind of espresso in their, and I, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Hephaestus 2017 Russian Imperial Stout. It's aged in bourbon barrels with espresso, and the espresso was chosen by some notable Houston beer persons and a notable Houston, uh, what do you call someone who's a coffee, like a sommelier of coffee? Do you, is there a I, word for that? No idea. Uh, well, it, it, there's, there's a guy like that, and so I'll tell you the whole story, and we'll taste this. But there's only been like, I want to say three, it's either 3,000 or 8,000, 3,000 bottles of this were produced. And we have one on the show today. So nice. very, very excited. Is the word barista? 
Well, I suppose Maybe. the only problem with using barista is then you just think of that, you know, kid behind the counter at Starbucks who's trying to force you to call your <laughs> uh, your coffee a, a grande instead of a medium large <laughs> or large or whatever. See, I don't even know what a grande large. is. <laughs> large. I'll have the big one, please. Right. All right. It's smoking and toasting. A lot more to come, including a beer a day keeps the doctor away. I love this story. We'll have it for you coming up. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's uh, so nice to have you here on our program where we uh, love to taste, sample, and talk about fine cigars, great beer, and um, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, spirits. Speaking of spirits, what you you brought the uh, you brought, brought the whiskey today. What'd you bring? I brought Bib and Tucker. This is no. a small batch bourbon whiskey. And what I found out, I don't know much about this uh, company or anything, yeah. uh, but I do know that my brother brought it uh, over the holidays he brought it in. And uh, when I went to look it up online just to get a little information about it, mm-hmm. the first thing the website tells me is you can't get this in Texas. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So your brother brought this down east from Michigan, right? No, no, different brother. Oh, different You're brother, thinking sorry. of Minnesota, but no, oh, my, okay, my other brother right. lives in Arizona. Oh, okay. Well, they're a little nuts in Arizona. I can just tell you this. You know, <laughs> when you live somewhere, you know, people talk about like Houston and the humidity, and you're right. It's pretty. It can be pretty oppressive in the summer, but when you live somewhere where there are days of the year that planes can't take off because it's too hot. Yeah. The air, uh, whatever the physics of air and and it supporting the weight of the plane, <laughs> like stop working above a certain. No, I'm serious. There are days in Phoenix you can't fly. No, I'm That's laughing at, the, at how, you know, like the truth is stranger than fiction thing. It, it really is. <laughs> the you know? incredulity of Just it, Just think will. about the if Wilbur and Orville Wright had been from Phoenix and had been building their thing in the summer, we still wouldn't have airplanes. we just have bigger, better boats. <laughs> we, you're right. <laughs> and that might be a good thing, actually, when it's all said and done. Um so the whole uh, we've been talking about this on the show a lot actually over the past couple of months, the sort of battle between uh, craft beer and mainstream beer and what constitutes craft beer and what doesn't constitute craft beer, and this has kind of boiled or bubbled up, I guess, has foamed over. Well, because you had a bunch of macro brews that just decided at some point in time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. They yeah. just decided at some point in time, hey, we're going to put out something that's now a... That's uh, now craft a quote-unquote craft beer. Right. Well, and we talked about this with respect to the whole Walmart thing, when Walmart sort of made up this fictitious brewery that didn't really exist so they could market a line of quote-unquote craft beers, which were really produced by a mass beer manufacturer. So what happens when it works in reverse? What happens, like the Carbach deal, for example, which we had, you know, the guy on from Carbach, uh, David from Carbach. Right, and, I hadn't uh, even thought know, about that. Uh, side what happens when you're making craft beer, it's defined as craft beer, and then you get purchased by, say, Anheuser-Busch or, uh, or the guys from Miller or Heineken. Yeah. Or, uh, right. Um, what happens, the beer is still the same. You know, if you liked Carbach Hopadillo yesterday before they got bought you know six months ago as long as they don't change the beer there's no reason to not like it today and yet there's plenty of uh, places uh, across houston for example where carbox a big deal that stopped selling it because they identified themselves as craft beer bars so they don't 
feel like it yeah, fits the definition of craft beer. There's got to be a line there. I, I can't help but wonder if there's a little bit of that mentality where, you know, when this band is underground, they're cool, but as soon as they get popular, well, I understand they, they've sold out. I, I'm not entirely sure where I that line that. is, though, because I get and, both sides of it. And you're right. Sometimes after bands get popular, their music does start to suck. That's true. That happens. But it doesn't always happen. Right, right. Like there's, there's still the same band. There's still the people that wrote those songs that you love, and if they continue to make music that is of, it's kind of like the beer. If you continue to make beer that's of the same quality, there's no reason I wouldn't still want to drink it just because Budweiser owns you. I might not like it as much if you're owned by a major company, but it doesn't change the beer unless you change the beer. It, it hasn't slowed down my consumption of the sympathy for the log. <laughs> there you go. See, that's a perfect. Uh, that's a perfect thing. Well, the craft. The Brewers Association um, have removed four brewers from their 2016 list of the top 50 craft brewers um, because of these recent deals that have been made and these recent acquisitions. Uh, the craft beers that were removed from the list, Lagunitas. Wow. And see, I love Lagunitas yeah. beers. Um, they uh, were number six in 2015, but 50 percent of their uh, company is now owned by Heineken. Huh. Um, Ballast Point, number 11 last year, uh, they were sold to Constellation Brands. So Sculpin is no longer a craft brew. No longer, from the most like strict of terms, considered a craft brew. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Wow. Uh, at number 47. That was one of the uh, earlier craft brews. Sold too. to Anheuser-Busch InBev and Four Peaks Brewing uh, at number 49. Sold to Anheuser-Busch InBev. So this doesn't even include Carbach, which I think was such a young brewery that it hadn't really made its way onto this list. And really, if you think about it, Carbach's really only known in Texas. Right. Whereas all of these other breweries that I mentioned are have from outside Texas, right. but we can get them here. Uh, and I'm sure you can get them in other places. I think they've been around a little longer. And Carbach is a very young brewery. Obviously, Anheuser-Busch recognized their potential you know, to be a moneymaker and said, we want to buy them as well. Uh, but had they been on this list, they'd have been off as well. Huh. So, so I guess I it comes down to what we define craft brew well, here's what it, it says. It says it, here's what this article says, which I think, I think is fascinating. Because sales growth for the craft beer industry, oh, and this is an interesting point, too. Sales growth for the craft beer industry has outpaced uh, the overall $106 billion category. Big beer companies have responded by starting to buy these craft brewers, buying upstart brands with the hope that uh, better distribution, some marketing will make these brands, these upstarts, even more nationally successful. So big beer is buying into the craft beer trend at a time when volume has ebbed for their stuff, and they're looking for how do we you know, not become irrelevant here. But the deal-making has led to some upheaval in the craft beer world. When big sellers like Lagunitas and Ballast Point are acquired, their volume no longer counts as craft. Uh, because the because the volume, I guess, that they produce, or because of the volume produced by the entire company that owns you, uh, I guess is I guess is now what, you're part of that. Company. What it amounts to, exactly, right? So, uh, meanwhile, the larger craft brewers like Sam Adams uh, Boston Beer, which is its own company, not purchased by one of the big guys, although they are big, but they're finding themselves squeezed out by big beer on the one side and the local upstart craft guys on the other side. 
So it's a really interesting uh, thing. All that's putting pressure on craft beer sales, which is up uh, 8% in the first half of 2016, but decelerated from 2015's 13% growth. Now, I'm going to make a prediction. I think craft beer sales, just based on these four defections, will be down in 2017. Yeah, well, because, because once you those, take those four, four guys sell a lot of beer. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, that's all. Uh, I thought a very interesting thing. Now let's get to one of those little upstart now craft breweries. Now it's time for a Bloodwork Orange. Yes, the uh, oh, nice. Uh, the Austin, Texas-based Austin Beer Works uh, has released a Bloodwork Orange. It says uh, Sicilian blood oranges and Citra hops orchestrate. A Ludwig von Citrus Symphony. Uh, it is a seasonal <laughs> seasonal release, the uh, uh, Bloodwork Orange, and it is uh, as I believe you said. I don't know if you said this during the break or uh, or on the show, but seven percent alcohol by volume. So this is a, and it comes in a can. This is not out of a bomber. So uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty respectable. <laughs> I'm Bobby's, pouring this heavy. We got two of these. Guys. Bobby's eyes just jumped. Yeah, we had to brought in a couple of these because I wound up with a sixer of it, and managed, by the way, to not try it. The whole idea of a Blood Orange IPA really, like, makes me excited. All right, so, you know, I that uh, uh, the Blood and Honey from Revolver Reviewed company, on our talked, first yeah, show, yes. Is so good, and I'm excited about this. I was at Specs purchasing these, actually, and saw a bottle of that in it's the It's now available, in the rack. Yeah. It's now available, and I actually mentioned it to Joey Williams, who was there recommending some things, and I said, you know, this is the first beer we tasted on the show, and I believe he said something like, that's a delicious liquid, yeah. which is, <laughs> I thought like was it. a very Joey <laughs> thing to say. So uh, so here we are, Bloodwork Orange from Austin Beer Works. Uh, you've already taken a drink, so I'll let you go first. It has a um, a lot of, well, it's very big right up front. It has almost yes, a grapefruit is. kind of thing going on. Well, it's interesting because I get a little of that too. And then when it settles down, you get that more yeah, subtle. Yeah, you get that orange peel blood kind orange of, and yeah. blood, uh, Orange peel, exactly. You know, I sp- have spent several, and I'm, I'm not there this year, but I have spent several uh, weeks in Austin doing South by Southwest for a week and drinking Austin Beer Works uh, brews almost exclusively because they have a really nice portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never had this one. Never had this one. This, this is good. Season. I would buy this. I would. This is. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. It's got such a nice finish to it. Well, like, I love citrusy IPAs. It would probably be my favorite beer category. Is the sort of citrusy IPAs or pale ales? It's and uh, I like it. It's got mm-hmm. such a bright upfront bold flavor. And then when it finishes, it finishes with a creamy kind of orange, which makes it very drinkable, right? Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, some IPAs, especially it's the stronger insidious. ones, I keep wanting to sip it. Yeah, <laughs> some IPAs, especially <laughs> the stronger ones, the doubles and the uh, imperial IPAs and what have you, can be very interesting to taste, but you don't feel like drinking well, the, it when you're thirsty. If the hops linger a little too long on the back of the flavor, you know, towards the towards the finish of the flavor. Sometimes it's a little hard to want that again. Yes. And but this, the hops just roll right through, and you end up with this nice. And I really almost think that's because of the blood orange. Yeah, it was that, a great That kind of tempers that hops that, that same way. Uh, well, I, here's, here's what I would worry about with this beer. This does not in any way 
give you the impression that it's 7% alcohol. Not even volume. remotely. So you could be throwing these back on a summer day. <laughs> <laughs> matter of fact, punch a hole in the can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I could see it happening. I mean, I really could. Well, uh, I like this a lot, Ian, and um, I'm going to enjoy the rest of this while we uh, take our break here. And by the way, um, still to come, we've got this, uh, this whiskey to taste and the sort of surprise clown shoes, Massachusetts slash Houston beer pairing experiment. We'll get into that uh, coming up. It's Smoking and Toasting. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's smoking and toasting, and uh, those are the surfers. Uh, the, the surfers, the suffers. Thank you. It's a seven percent alcohol content in this. Uh, <laughs> I went back for Austin seconds Beer on that blood work. Well, I just poured a little more. Orange. You and I were talking about this off air. This is a very good beer. Like I, I would encourage you if you are just beginning to experiment with, uh, you know, with slightly different um, craft beers. This is a great. Well, this is a great go to. Yeah, this and is fun. For a long time, I used to drink Austin Beer Works. Um, Beers when I was in Austin, but didn't find them much in Houston. And uh, this I purchased at Spec, so it's it's definitely they've definitely made the hop. Uh, so now to be available in other Texas. Talking cities. about that, did you realize that Bell's is a Michigan brewery? They have a bunch of fantastic beers. I think Bell's you a is Bell's now in available. on the show one time. Yeah, and it's now available here in Texas. They got distribution really? here now. So they I got, love if that. You get, yeah, if you get a chance to try their Oberon or. Um, yeah, there's fantastic beers. They're Kalamazoo Stout. They've got a bunch of good stuff. My favorite thing, and I don't know if this is good for the beer industry or not, but my favorite thing when I go into a Specs or any other you know beer place that I enjoy shopping is walking in and going, I've never seen that before. Must try. Must yes, try. yes, yes. Uh, but I wonder if, and, and it's just because I love trying different kinds of beer, but I wonder if that has a negative effect. Say you are uh, Austin Beer Works, right? Yeah. And you've gotten me to try this beer, and I go, I love this. Now the challenge is to get me to buy it again, because I may love it enough to buy it again, but I, my attention may be diverted by some other New product, the new pretty girl, as it were. You well, know? the packaging on this is so bright that you can't pass that one up. Actually, <laughs> you really like this. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm impressed because I'm the IPA guy, and Ian is. Uh, I like is, more multi. Yeah, he's a maltier guy. Uh, but you have really dug this. Yeah, you? that's good. Yeah. Like I said, I went back for seconds. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, that. Uh, yeah, excellent stuff. So, well, not only uh, do we enjoy the beer, but if you drink a pint or two a day. I can't believe I'm about to say this. This may be a historic moment. If you drink a pint or two of beer a day. Ooh, that was nice. That was that was me opening the bourbon bottle, just so you know. If you drink a pint or two of beer a day, your heart will thank you for it. Yeah, I said it. Your heart will thank you for it. I'm all over that. Tell me more. A study featuring 80,000 people by researchers at Pennsylvania State University, which just for the record is a real college. It's not one of those made-up online schools. Uh, Pennsylvania State University found that moderate alcohol consumption, especially beer, helps your body maintain good cholesterol. I must have great cholesterol. Where I, I need to find the... <laughs> where is the... Oh, here it is. 
No, isn't there a fanfare here somewhere? There's a da da. Yeah, where there. is it? A little which party one? hat. I which think. one? It's a party hat. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I don't know which one that is. <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, okay, you may have to look for it. I can't. Uh, I can't. Sometimes find I make that sound when you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this. No, that's no, not that it. wasn't it either. So, uh, especially beer. A couple of beers a day helps your body maintain good cholesterol. The study found that two drinks a day for men and one drink a day for women makes high-density lipoproteins, I'm sorry, um, that makes them naturally decline slower than with teetotalers or those who binge drink. So it, it, this is not supporting the fact that you can drink in excess. Damn you, moderation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why must you haunt me? That sounds like a Homer Simpson thing. Dude. <laughs> right. uh, so time to consider a post-workout pint alongside your post-workout kale smoothie is what the article says. <laughs> uh, beer was the big winner in the study. Wine had plenty of moments uh, in the world of health studies in the past, uh, like making your brain more Alzheimer's resistant, helping you out in bed. Uh, but the Penn State study didn't gather enough data on wine consumption to make a wine-related claim. It did find, however, that liquor helps good cholesterol last a little longer too just not quite as long as beer well if anybody from uh pennsylvania state university needs me to drink a bunch of wine in the name of science yes call me well this research study was recently presented at an american heart association scientific sessions 2016 meeting yes that is the same organization that puts the little seal on your box of Honey Nut Cheerios, saying ah. that it's uh, and the little bee talks about it on the on the <laughs> box, right? Uh, but don't expect your next uh, you know thirty pack to have the same American Heart Association logo that you see on Cheerios boxes. Uh, this study included Chinese adults, and the researchers stated that more tests are needed on other populations before health claims could be made for all humans around the world. Uh, but you might not want to wait for these studies, you know, uh, to to go ahead with this information um mariano pops rotelli swore by a shot of whiskey a day and he just celebrated his 107th birthday then there's uh, mildred bowers who suggested that part of the reason she lived past 103 is that she drank beer so even if further studies don't support this same information as the penn state study I think we can all use a beer or two a day. Anyway. So, so. I love that story. Right? Just, it's just so good to say your heart will thank you for it, and then just wait for the ta-da that never came from that little uh, box of goodies here. So, all right, uh, you have already opened the uh, the whiskey. I noticed your pour was much more generous than mine. Oh well, uh, you know, sorry about that. <laughs> let me, I mean, let like, me do this sound effect again. Okay, let's do that, and then you can put a little more in my. Uh, a little sugar in my bowl there, as it there were. So. All right, that looks good. That looks good. So, uh, so tell me what you do know about this. Your brother, you said brought brought this uh, down. Yeah, my brother always buys interesting bourbons and interesting whiskeys. He loves mm-hmm. he loves whiskeys. Um, not as much scotch as I like, but he loves good bourbons and whiskeys. So this is a uh, small batch bourbon whiskey, uh, and I'm trying to read what it says in the bottle here. Uh, why it's a fine time to drink. Oh, good. So, <laughs> Bib and Tucker. So, this is an American um, small batch bourbon whiskey, basically. Right. So, Bib and Tucker is a, is a throwback to, apparently, Antebellum United States, where uh, 
if you were wearing your bib and tucker, you were wearing your finest clothes. Oh, interesting. So, well, the bottle is shaped like something you would very see. Much. It looks like at, it looks like a medicine flask. Yeah, it, a, it looks like something you would see on the shelf at Kitty's Bar on Gunsmoke. That's Remember? right. That's yeah, exactly that, right. And <laughs> that would always get shot and, and disintegrate. <laughs> and why, why is that? That's the only reason whiskey bottles existed <laughs> in bars and westerns is because you they were going to shot up. You know up. what I really want to do, too? I want to go into a bar when they pour me a shot of whiskey. Yeah? Because I want to say, give me a shot of whiskey, and when they pour me a shot, I just want to say, leave the bottle. <laughs> you know, like, that's so Western, right? Yes. Right. Well, the, <laughs> or they leave the bottle, and you just keep pouring it Or yourself. my favorite, like, the last the last scene in uh, Unforgiven when he pours himself a glass of whiskey finally. Yes. After so yes. many years. <laughs> if you haven't yeah. seen that movie, go that's watch a, it. That so is you know a great movie. I'm Brilliant. not a big Westerns guy, actually, but that's a great movie. Okay, so I will tell you, while we were talking there, I took my first little swig of this Bim and Tucker, and I was not prepared for what happened on the finish. There's a... So, let me tell you what I get out of it. First off, there's a lot of corn going on in this. Yes. A lot of corn. Uh, I taste a lot of um, caramel and yes. honey. Caramel and honey, I agree. Some malt. And there's a malt and um, there's a medicinal quality to the finish that I don't know what it is about it. It just has kind of a medicine kind of flavor. Not in a bad way, just kind right. of a medicine kind of flavor. Maybe mineral is a better word. That's a good way to say it, yes. So well, I will tell you the the burn is on the back. Yes, and it kind of kicked my butt a little bit because <laughs> I was not necessarily expecting it, and I was like, smooth. "Whoa, yeah, right." I'm thinking, "Wow, this is a really smooth." Whoa, <laughs> there it is. You know, and took probably a little bigger sip than I would have had I known that was coming. Um, but it is really delicious, and you're right about the flavors. The corn is probably corn is so more pronounced uh, than than what I'm used and to. And this is seventy percent corn mash. Mm. That's, that's mm. I mean it's going to be obvious because it's so upfront, but it's 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 an interesting drink. It I, tastes like something you would get at Kitty's Bar. In, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It? Like the bottle like, and the flavor, is real match. whiskey. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got that flavor to it. Right. Now, it's not as uh, how do we say refined? Refined. It's the perfect word. It's not as refined as some of the other things we've tasted. But boy, do you know you're having whiskey? Yeah. It's you know? got a very classic I'm a whiskey kind of flavor. And I, mm-hmm. I guess it's a mineral content and the water to it that, that I'm tasting on the back end that makes me think that medicinal quality. Do we know where these guys are based out of? Uh, Bardstown, Bardstown, Kentucky. So this is from whiskey country. It's real deal. Yeah. Plus it's called Bardstown. That's just awesome. Bardstown. <laughs> <laughs> like when someone's so, from Bardstown, you do one of two things. <laughs> So, one of them is whiskey. So, Ian, I know we <laughs> talk sometimes about how uh, you will light a cigar, uh, you've said, smoke the first inch or so of the cigar, and then once you've kind of got that started, got that flavor profile established, you will go and, as you like to say, smell your your scotches smell, and smell, smell your whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is there a time that this would be one that you would pick, like this more, I want to say almost like traditional old school Whiskey smell? Yeah, this would go? go, you'd have to have one of two cigars with this. You'd have to have something really light, like very, very light, uh, very smoky, classic like a cigar. Kind of or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or you have to go like full to the other side of the spectrum and go with like a Man of War Ruination or right. something so like you, that. So what you don't want is something that's more subtle in the middle. Right? Yeah, because you'll never taste it through this. And this isn't a subtle uh, bourbon no, at all. No, especially yeah. with the heat on the back. Yes, like, wow. There's a lot of heat on and this. And it lingers, too, yes. that heat. Yes. I'm still feeling this it. Is, yeah? 
it'll be great during the winter. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's kind of like the whiskey that they used to like give the child a spoonful of when they were <laughs> right, sick, a right? You, you in know, a bottle. Like, yeah, absolutely. That was that was an old west remedy that you know if you had a cough, uh huh. You know, they'd give you a little spoonful of whiskey even as a kid. So you know, I uh, have I have been known to uh, when I'm playing a show if if my voice is not entirely there, I've whiskeyed my voice into drinking before. Have you really? Yeah, it's and it, it'll get you through the night, but you will not have much voice the next day. Whiskey and throat coat tea. That's the way throat to do it. Throat coat tea is yeah. delicious. <laughs> yeah, and it's also it also works. I will yes. tell you that it works. I've uh, I've had to prepare that for bands uh, on in several states uh, across the country. All right, so we are going to take a quick break and come back with our final segment. When we do, we will be tasting Hephaestus 2007, a Russian imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with espresso, and the espresso for this beer was chosen by Houston beer and coffee experts. Awesome. And I will give you the story. Uh, plus, you just got to love Clown Shoes Brewing. So we'll talk about all of that coming up in our final segment. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Thank you for listening. Or Mexico. I was on the beach in Mexico uh, the la- last week. That was the reason we didn't do a show last week. And I have was the first time I've ever uh, vacationed actually in Mexico. I've been to the Caribbean islands and, and a couple of things like that in my life. But uh, my first visit to Mexico on the Pacific side. And boy, did I have an amazing time. What a, what a great place. And you know what's really great? And I'm sure, you know, obviously I'm a gringo and a tourist when I'm there. But um, my impression of the people who live there is that they love to drink as much as I do, <laughs> you know. And so you feel like you're in good company and everybody's enjoying it and having a having a great time. So uh, it was it was very relaxing, and I enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed some. I was just telling uh, uh, Bobby during the break enjoyed some great rum, which I did not write the name of down, and so I'm bummed. But I, I, it was a rum I had not seen in the U.S. and enjoyed. <laughs> Enjoyed Kraken Ghost, which was a silver Kraken spiced rum, which I've never seen. In the yeah, it's, I've never even heard of that before you yeah, mentioned so, it. Interesting. So, uh, but Mexico is a great place to go. So is Cuba, but two U.S. airlines are already canceling their flights to Cuba. Um, the airlines from the United States rushed in there last year, knowing the going would be tough. But uh, on Monday, Frontier Airlines and Silver Airways Corp announced plans to drop their Cuba service entirely. Uh, Citing a 300% surge in airline capacity, Silver said it'll end flights on April 22nd to its nine Cuban destinations. So I just wanted to, here's here's why I want to, you'll see this headline out there and you go, oh, wow, so this Cuban thing really isn't that big of a deal and nobody's really flying there. But here's what you won't know unless you're able to read the article a little bit. The Silver Airways Corporation that canceled their flights to nine Cuban destinations, guess what destination is not included? Havana. Really? They couldn't fly. They couldn't get their regulations worked out to fly to Havana. So who wants to fly? Uh, not who wants to. There might be good reasons. But if I'm going to Cuba, Ian, or you're going to Cuba, yeah. we're going for the cigar experience we're going to Havana. Havana yeah. We're not going to some little village in the you know remote southeastern part of Cuba. We're going to Havana, and uh, so it's no wonder nobody was flying on these flights. It's like, don't you sometimes think of these 
decisions made by these big companies and then they don't work and they go, I just don't understand. And you sit here going, well, I do, and I don't know anything about your business. <laughs> if I can figure that out, why can't you figure it out? Uh, but doesn't that make sense to you? Like, if you can't fly to Havana, of course your flights are not going to be that, that well booked. So, uh, Silver had already reduced uh, flights uh, before, and then Denver-based Frontier Airlines said it will end its daily Miami to Havana flight on June 4th due to overcapacity, which is an airline way of saying we're not selling seats, and operating costs that were uh, significantly higher than expected. Well, what this doesn't tell you, though, is that most of the airlines that open up flights are still flying to Cuba, and this is a good way of balancing out. I think probably too many airlines, quite frankly, open flights to Cuba. It's uh, not yeah, someplace Americans are used to flying. Like, you know, what? there's suddenly going to be this overwhelming demand. I mean, we know Cuban cigar sales are already up. So, I wonder why it's difficult to fly in Havana. Oh, uh, it says in the case of this Silver Airways, let me find this. Um, the Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale, Florida based company failed to win regulatory approvals last year to fly to the Cuban capital which is the biggest prize for U.S. carriers. So it was something they didn't do right, Silver Airlines. I'm not going to fly on Silver Airlines anyway between you and me. Like, I've never really heard of it. Like, you know, I'm not afraid to fly or anything, but, you know, Ed's Airlines just doesn't sound like, (laughs) you know, something that I want to really be a part of. Fly on Joe's plane. So uh, our next uh, thing that we're going to taste here, Ian, I'm really excited about bringing this to you because I think – Based on what I've come to know of you, my friend, I think this might be right up your alley. <clears throat> I was young. I needed the money. Oh, that's not what you said. <laughs> not that part, yes. Uh, <laughs> Houston Beer Bar, the Hay Merchant. We've talked about those guys before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a very respectable uh, beer-oriented um, bar down in the Montrose area of Houston. And I will mention one of the reasons we talked about them on the show. They are one of the guys that does not sell uh, yeah. Carbach uh, now, for example, because they are so committed to being really true to the essence of craft beer and and not owned by the that follows over their food. Companies. By the way, their wings oh they are amazing. Yeah. And, and I've tried some beers there that I don't know if I would ever have tried, uh, but just because they were available on tap. Yeah. So Houston Beer Bar, uh, the Hay, Hay Merchant, is collaborating with the coffee shop Blacksmith in Houston, and with. Massachusetts Brewery Clown Shoes on a beer that is infused with a Greenway coffee espresso that they hope will be the highest expression of what a coffee beer can be. Kevin Floyd is the co-owner of Hay Merchant. He was involved uh, with selecting the specific espresso for the Clown Shoes Hephaestus Imperial Stout. So that makes sense. Hephaestus... Or Hephaestus, or Hephaestus, however you yes. say it, is actually the Greek god of blacksmithing. Oh, so you you know about this Greek god? Well, if only there was a if device. Only, <laughs> if only there was some small handheld device that could I use. could punch yeah. in letters and it would give me feedback. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? yeah. When that so, happens, as a matter of fact, know. right off the top of my head, of course, um, Hephaestus is the Greek god of blacksmiths, craftsmen, artisans, sculptors, metals, metallurgy, fire, and volcanoes. So it explains why on the. Uh, the cover of this, it's definitely got that sort of Greek god look to uh, yes. Mr. Hephaestus there. I love their um, cartoon, uh, their cartoonish uh, yes. labels. From uh, well, Clown Shoes is a very cool microbrewery out of uh, Boston. And Greg Berman, who's the owner of Clown Shoes, sent several types of Russian Imperial Stouts to Kevin Floyd from Haymarket, uh, Haymerchant, I'm sorry, and to Greenway Coffee slash Blacksmith 
co-owner, David Buer, to consider for the base beer for this creation. Uh, there was an El Salvador coffee farmer in town, Miguel Mendez. Uh, Miguel Menendez, I'm sorry. And he was able to taste and lend his opinion as well. His uh, coffee plantation, coffee bean plantation, Finca Santa Barbara from El Salvador, was selected. Their coffee was selected to be used in the beer when it was all said and done. That was in December. Uh, Then the beer has been barrel-aged, and only about 3,000 bottles of Hephaestus or Hephaestus uh, will be available. It will only be sold in Texas, and we have one right here. Ian's holding it. We're in about his hand, to knock it like down to two thousand nine hundred ninety-nine <laughs> bottles of Hephaestus on the wall. And by the way, thanks to Joey at Specs for uh, uh, tipping me to this and telling me about it. So, so the first time I uh, heard of clown shoes, I was at the Brewmasters Festival in Galveston. Yes, and um, we got there during the middle of the day, and their place had nobody. There was nobody. The clown shoes booth, right? Yeah, the clown shoes booth had nobody in front of it. And uh, we thought, well, that looks funny. And, of course, my wife has a good sense of humor. She's like, it's called clown shoes. Let's try it. It was amazing. Within an hour, you couldn't even get close to their booth. Word had spread about how good the beer was. I mean, we went back within the first, you know, few minutes that we were there, we tried uh, a couple of the beers and went, holy cow, that's Mm -hmm. really good. And like I said, within an hour... You couldn't even get close to the booth. The line was blocking everyone else's booth wow. at that point in time. Well, having, and, and deservedly, because their beers are so good. Having you been know? chased once by a clown who was wearing big floppy clown I shoes, love that story, this has a great sort of like appeal to me. I, I actually do not like clowns at all, but there's something about, and I've, I've been drinking clown shoes, different uh, brews for several years and there's something about that title that made me say i have to try this beer just the name of the brewery being clown shoes brewery so uh, i noticed as you poured this in it did not look like you were pouring a beer it looked like you were pouring coffee or used motor oil or used motor oil (laughs) so let's hope it doesn't taste like that well holy cow is what i'm gonna say after tasting it. really so is this right up your alley here this is brilliant Mm, i mean it's mm. The espresso, and I, I'm going to point out that it is espresso, not coffee. You are so right, and like, I can tell the difference. There's a difference in the yes. flavor, definitely. The espresso is a a more a sharper, maybe slightly more tart yes. flavor than yes. coffee. And this is in there, and it's on the lingering aftertaste, and it's brilliant. It's wow, almost like having good. a super, like a like a seventy percent chocolate in there too, like oh. kind of mm-hmm. like a, a bitter bitter chocolate. Kind of so they did a tasting of this back in December. This is apparently amazing. at Hay Merchant when they when they first kind of concocted it, but it had not gone through the barrel aging, and uh, so they were even saying uh, at the t- at that time, you know, it's going to be really hard to tell. You know, this will be interesting, but it's going to be really hard to tell what it will ultimately uh, wind up tasting like when it comes out of the barrels. So, well, this is uh, okay. So the the color is black. I mean, it's just black. Uh, the head on it is—it's uh, very little head, but it's—it's um, it's a chocolatey brown, kind of milk chocolatey brown kind of head on it. The uh, viscosity of this, the mouthfeel of this, is very thick. It's—it's it's, yes, it's—it's it's, you know, it's what a stout should be. Here's a little background on Hephaestus. Uh, from the bottle itself, it says, uh, Behold Hephaestus, the god of blacksmiths, as he hands over the lightning bolts forged by the elder. Cyclopes, 
uh, I don't I don't know my Greek god, so I apologize if I'm massacring that production. Uh, the elder Kyklopes to the Cyclopes, almighty. Maybe? No, it's Kai K Y K L O P E S. Anyway, to the almighty Zeus. And then it says, this year's version of the beer. So apparently they do a Hephaestus every year. And this is the Hephaestus 2017. Uh, but it says, this year's version of the beer is a bourbon barrel-aged version of our Russian Imperial Stout, Blaycorn Unidragon. Which is delicious. Which you've had that, right? Yes. So uh, with 1,000 shots of hand-fold espresso from Blacksmith in Texas, added at barreling, and it comes with a free lesson in Greek mythology. <laughs> nice. So that is from the bomber uh, itself. And yes, car, uh, comic book uh, artwork, uh, as usual, for the uh, for the labels for this this fine clown shoes. Clown shoes company. does it again. We have to road trip to Massachusetts to go to clown shoes. <laughs> yeah. How much fun would that I be? I bet they're just fun. Thank you guys for listening. We have really enjoyed the show this week. We will be back uh, next week. No uh, no breaks. We'll be back with show number 33. And uh, apologies, we did run out of time for sampling the Mumford & Sons IPA, so we'll have to try to get to that next week. My name is Cruz. My partner, uh, Ian Barry. Thanks, uh, Ian, for being here. Man, thanks for having me Special here. thanks to Bobby, our uh, engineer and producer, and we will see you guys next week. Cheers. Hephaestus! This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Ra- Ra- Radio Brave.